Welcome to Death Do Us Part Podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up, y'all? Hi. My God, we've had to restart this like three <laughs> fucking times. Yeah, I'm going to move my mic a little bit. There we go. Okay. Move it. Oh, my God. Okay, so we're trying to film this. Yeah, we're trying to do both. Yeah. So this is episode 40 you'll be able to listen on whatever podcast platform that you usually listen to us on but then also this will be uploaded to youtube so you could watch us up on youtube and what is our youtube channel just ddup ddup podcast so sorry phone call uh that's okay we've so jacks came home then the computer died. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. We're this, a hot mess. Yeah, this is the third time. Yeah, whatever. But, but yeah, it's so us. this episode you'll have a couple different options to yeah. do. Hopefully you'll you'll watch us on YouTube. We'll get some more viewers yeah. on there. Some, some subs- subscribers. subscribers. Usually um, it's me. Yeah, I know. Wow. But. Um, now you guys get to see the faces I yeah, get Yeah, you get to see us. When he's being Hi. stupid. Sarcastic. Yeah. Whatever. No, I really want them to see the faces I make at you. <laughs> My RBF is on fucking point. It always is. Just saying. Yeah, it always is. Well, I'm unapproachable then. Mm. Whatever. It's better for me. But we have a good one for our number 40. A lot of you guys wanted a serial killer. So you got one. So you got one. This guy's a fucking idiot. What do we got, babe? BTK. BTK. Dennis Radar. He's a twat face. I, I, you were calling him a chode. A chode, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's stupid. He's okay. stupid. Well, he did get away with it for he, a long time. He did. He did. But he's still like, I don't know. I don't, you'll, you'll see. Because I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like one minute he's dumb and the next minute you're like, oh God, I should figure that out. <laughs> but then it makes you wonder like, so you thought of this, but not this? Like, right. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. He's, he's a narcissistic fucking asshole. Okay. So. Well, and he's most serial killers are. Looking. Yeah. But then tries to explain away his creeptastic look and his mugshot. No. Uh, after he got caught. Oh, well, well, of course. Yeah. Dumbass. Of course. Um, So we do, we do have a couple new Patreons, but my computer is also dead. And why I have not plugged mm. it in in this time frame, I don't know. But right. I suck. I'm trash. We know that. Whatever. Yes. I concur. Um, so, um, this one is kind of long. Okay. So, you want to just hop right in? Yeah, might as well. Okay. I mean, this is the third time, so you yeah. might as well just All right. jump right into it. So, uh, a quote from Dennis Radar, Raider, whatever. Uh, there were times earlier in my life when someone should have said, this guy needs help. No shit. Um. <laughs> So, just a few quick things. Um, paraphilia is uh, an actual condition, not pedophilia. Paraphilia is defined as a condition characterized by abnormal sexual desires, typically involving extreme or dangerous activities. Um, so, they later on say that he possibly had this uh, d- 
disorder. It's considered a disorder. I don't know how, but it is. Um, it generally begins in childhood and persists into adulthood. And it starts having repetitive, um, detailed fantasies that stimulate the person. Mm. Uh, lust murder is a homicide in which the offender searches for sexual gratification by killing somebody. It's synonymous with the paraphilic term erotophonophobia, which is the sexual arousal or gratification contingent on the death of a human being. So they have to fucking kill somebody to get off. That's weird. It is weird. It's very weird. No. Um, so Dr. Deborah Sherman Coughlin with uh, the FBI created a partial profile of BTK with limited information prior to his capture. Some are spot on, some are not. Um, she says, quote, this is not a person who would stop killing on his own. There are only three reasons he would stop. Death, prison, or he is too disabled or sick to kill. This is a compulsive psychopath who enjoys killing and will not give it up. So they, they try not to use the term psychopath too much. Um, yeah, I notice that. Uh, yeah, because the people, they say, are sane, but they're a psychopath. And it's different than sociopath, who... So the, sociopath is normally more towards the narcissistic attitude. Right. So... Excuse me, I'm surprised that they call him a psychopath. Yeah. Um, so she guessed it, guessed it, guesstimated. Guesstimated. <laughs> that this guy is a divorced white male now in his 50s. He's sad, lonely, and bored. Mm -hmm. uh, he has a normal appearance and will fit in well with the people who live in his town. Why do you think most serial killers are white? White older men. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. I should look that up. Maybe, um, I'll, maybe I, I'll look that up. I think I might. Um, he drives a nondescript truck or car, most likely American-made. Was and is strong and enjoys using his hands. Uh, prefers his own company because he feels superior to everyone. <laughs> Lives in middle or lower class area. He is not known as a criminal. He is very sane, but mm -hmm. is also a psychopath. He has a strong dislike of women and views them with disdain. He enjoys playing puppet master and would prefer killing and manipul manipulating others to almost anything. Now you guys get to watch me stutter. Um, he enjoys being discussed in the media and takes delight in people guessing about him. No. Uh, he has the world at the end of his string, but to be truly heard, he has to be caught. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Right. Uh, Dennis Lynn Rader was born March 9th of 1945 to parents Dorothea May and William Elvin in Columbus, Kansas. He was the oldest of four. Uh, the couple married in 1943 when Dorothea was still a senior in high school and William was stationed at Camp Pendleton. He was still on Midway Island in the Pacific when Dennis was born. Um, the Cook side of the family was not religious, however, the Raiders were practicing Christians. When Dennis was around four, the family moved from Columbus to Wichita. Uh, do you want to know a fun fact about Wichita? Yeah. Uh, it's the birthplace of White Castle in 1921 and Pizza Hut in 1958. God bless them. Seriously. God bless no them. No shit. Uh, Dennis and his mother had an ambivalent relationship. He loved her, but sometimes thought of her as a traitor. So this guy tends to be like too much. Like, yeah. he tries too hard, I feel like, to fit into the serial killer, like, stereotypes or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you know, they say a lot of serial killers have head injuries or traumatic childhood or, you know, sexual abuse, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, this fucking idiot said that he had several traumatic events with his mother, but um, I don't think he knows what traumatic means. So it's, 
in other words, just shit that everyone else went through? It pr- probably less than. Yes. Oh, God. Um, he did say, though, my mom fell off a horse when she was pregnant with me and dropped me on my head when I was six to eight months old. So that might have scrambled the network. Well, I mean, that could have. It could have. But you're still an idiot. Yeah. Just saying. Um, so he goes on to say our childhood years, I feel, determine much of what happens in adulthood. In printing messages like computer chips, we are programmed on the brain in ways that we are totally unaware of. Sins pick us according to our weakness, and sometimes it runs in the family. Mine were selfishness, sex, and control. Hmm. Um, so do you, do you want to know these traumatic events that were imprinted on his brain? Hit me with them. Uh, his mom got her hand stuck in the couch. And? Yeah. He didn't know if she did it on purpose to see how he would react or if it actually happened. Food. And he ran to his grandma's. Oh, my God. Come on. I, yeah. What a boner. So he was like, I can't, three or four maybe. But he said that um, he felt a tightness in his groin when this happened because of the look of fear on her face. What? <laughs> um, the okay. next traumatic event, he brought home a toy tractor that was not his. Oh, his, so bad. His mom thought he stole it, so she made him take it next door and say that he stole it. Oh, God, yeah. so bad. Um, he says, quote, this was probably the beginning of my impulse problem. Action before thought of consequences. Later, I took things and kept them secret. Whatever. You're an idiot. Yeah. Uh, the other traumatic event was he got in trouble for putting small pieces of metal on train tracks to flatten them. I did that. Um, his mom went and told his grandparents, and he got in trouble. Um, but he said it hurt his relationship with her Mm. quote i couldn't trust her she embarrassed me oh god in front of who oh god in front of who (laughs) right um at age 10 or 11 his mom tried to beat him after she discovered he had his first sexual emission Mm. and then she comforted him Mm. okay sure it's what you do yeah yeah um, he also brings up that he had terrible ear infections when he was a kid and his eardrum would need to be punctured. I don't feel bad for him. <laughs> I've had six ear surgeries. Um, so he had to be held down for this and says, quote, I was held down to experience pain and then comfort. This could be a key to my start. Something to explore. Whatever. No. Um, the doctor was a, a chick and she ended up becoming one of his targets. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so Dennis said his, quote, friend, the monster in his head, appeared at age three to four, uh, which I say bullshit. That's too early. Uh, as he went through puberty, he started saying his dark side was factor X. He's asked mm. later on to explain factor X, and he, he can't. He just says it's what causes serial killers to kill. It's the dark side of their their being. Well, like Dexter had his dark passenger. Which is better than factor X. Yeah. I agree. It's fucking names. Um, he developed a fascination with Barnes and Bondage at the same time. It's kind of two different ends of the spectrum. I don't get but Barnes. I don't Bondage is cool. But. Um, so he wanted it made very clear that he did not hurt dogs because people thought he did. He tortured mm. animals because, you know, that's like one of the three yeah. Parts of the triangle is starting fires and killing mm. animals. Um, he did use dogs for bondage gratification, but he related to dogs because they were the closest thing to wolves, and he was a lone wolf. Um. 
Um, oh, I skipped a page. He did torture cats, though. No. Oh, I um, hate cats. And he so. wonders if maybe the cats were the early connection to him hunting women because he said that women have similar features to cats. What fucking features? I have no idea. I didn't write it down because it was stupid. Yeah. Um, he also feels as if they have supernatural powers and can be controlled by him. Oh, yeah. What? What? Yeah, definitely. What? <laughs> yeah. Mm. So he was uh, shy as a child. No wonder why, because he was an idiot. Uh, he a was dork. a C student at best and called himself the world's worst speller. Uh, Dennis went to Wichita Heights High School from 1959 to 1963 and had a part-time job at Leaker's Grocery Store. Uh, his grades slipped even more because he was too interested in making money for his car. Mm. Uh, when he was 17, he wrecked the family car, almost going through the windshield. Mm. Again, head injury. Uh, this wreck was the start of a, quote, dark spin, according to him. Uh, bondage became an early secret and laid the foundation for his fantasies. And as often as he could, he would go to the barn, the basement, or the bathroom to bind himself at the midsection, tight until he got the, quote, high from asphyxiation. When I went through the windshield, I uh, I didn't have, like... You didn't want to hang yourself in a barn? Uh, no, okay. not at all. Just checking. Didn't even come across my mind. I mean, maybe now it would. So, um, he knew it was wrong, but he couldn't stop. He then said he started, quote, wandering at age 11 to 12, which quickly turned into him peeping. Mm. Uh, in seventh grade, he was fantasizing about tying the popular girls to the train tracks and watching the terror on their faces. Mm. Between fishing and Boy Scouts, he learned how to tie several knots with string, moving up to cord, ropes, straps, leather belts, tape, chains, and plastic. He liked black electrical tape the best. Hey, I need it. to borrow some. I know. I thought of that when I was reading I need it. to fix up my fucking wheelchair. Um, he taught himself to tie a noose and used it for self-erotica. Uh, in the early 19, or excuse me, in early 1959, Dennis found a copy of Front Page Detective in his dad's truck. The feature story was, quote, the sex crazed photographer and his graveyard of models with a terrified woman bound and gagged on the front cover. He says, quote, this was exactly the pictures and theme that I dreamed about. Wow. So I didn't know these magazines were like a thing in the 50s, 50s yeah. and 60s. Yeah. Now it's more CSI yeah. magazines, you know, what tools and equipment are coming out. Yeah. But most uh, of the time, so like up until the 70s, it would show like a terrified woman bound on the cover now now you got to go to they'll show you in classes like when i went to evidence technician school they um they showed us a home video of a guy it was his home video and he was dressed in drag mm -hmm. and he hung himself but like he was masturbating and trying to you know climax and yeah. everything but he couldn't like release the rope so he hung himself Whoops. So like it, it was pretty creepy. Yeah. You know, well, to, yeah. I would to imagine. watch that, but I mean, I don't see it on any fucking magazines no. anymore. It was though. Apparently, I didn't know that was like a thing. I'm like, why do you want to read it if you're not in law enforcement? Yeah. I I don't know. I didn't understand that. Uh, Dennis would eventually use some of the bondage techni techniques from the magazine on himself and his victims. He absorbed everything he could about other serial killers' methods and practice their approaches. He lacked creative intelligence, but he could follow a pattern. Uh, my notes say, because he's a chode and can't come up with his own shit. He literally, like, if you take seven different serial killers and mash them together, that's what he does. 
So he's not original in any way, shape, right. or form. Like, not at all. Not even a little bit. Mm. Uh, he was especially fascinated with H.H. H. Holmes and his ability to kill, then go home to a loving family and be, quote, normal. So H.H. H. Holmes had a murder hotel in Chicago. In, in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. He started off as an insurance salesman and he was just, he was a fraud. Like he oh, was really? Ta- yeah, he was taking advantage of people. Oh. Um, but Dennis loved the murder hotel and wanted to make a murder barn. Mm. A, Scary. A barn. Like had it planned out with the floors. Oh my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and drawings. So. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the summer of 1963, he got his first car, which was a 1958 Blue Ford two-door sedan. Uh, he was hoping it would make him more social, but it did not. No. Because he's a chode. No. Uh, he tried some summer courses at Wichita State University, but quickly dropped out because he, he just wasn't ready for college. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1965, Dennis visited a friend, John, at his college, and they convinced him to enroll in general curriculum at Kansas Wesleyan in Salina, Kansas. Hmm. So is there a Wesleyan in every state? I think. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. Uh, this is where he started breaking into houses, which he calls B.E. Oh, breaking and entering. You're so clever, Dennis. Mm. Um, he learned how to case B&A. houses and would take small things that wouldn't be missed. Uh, he would also cube, which is a stupid man term for daydreaming. What? That's what he, like, that's what he called his ability to go from, like, the white hat to the dark hat. Like, he could be doing his job, but be fantasizing about murder, because he cubed. Sure. Yeah. Dummy. Sure. Um, in 1964, he started obsessing over the Boston Strangler. And when the movie about the Boston Strangler came out in 1966, he started trolling and practiced uh, practiced using the same ruses to get into apartments and was wearing green when he would go out and troll. Uh, That same year, under the pressure of the Vietnam War and failing college, Dennis joined the Air Force. In July of that year, Richard Speck struck in Chicago. Yeah, Um, I remember that. He read everything he could, excited by the strangling and relating to the repeated head injuries. Mm-hmm. Now, Richard Speck was just like a small time petty yeah. criminal loser who no. went fucking nuts when I killed eight nurses. Right. Um, less than two weeks later, Charles Whitman struck at the University of Texas at Austin. So he was the oh, one who yeah. was in the, the clock tower. Yeah. It was a clock tower, right? Yeah. He was also the one that I brought up in other podcasts. He was the first one who really, like, people looked at for CTE. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew something was wrong and he said in his suicide note that he wanted his brain studied yeah so did they ever they did after the like when they knew more about it okay but he was a football player and had repeated blows to the head so that's why they wanted him looked at okay um so dennis knew at this point that this is how you commanded headlines and became somebody dennis was sent overseas to okinawa um, he had no access to women's clothing there, so he would pretend to cross-dress and do bondage in his room. This is also where he had real sex for the first time. He was 22. It was with a prostitute and a complete fucking disaster. I mean, not like your first time isn't a complete right. fucking disaster. Yeah. yeah. Um, later that month, he says an old prostitute and then says she's 30-something, so fuck you. Oh, yeah. Um, took him under his wing and taught him, quote, good sex. Hey, right on. Yeah. Cost some money, but whatever. Oh, well. So, learning. in August of Having 1969, fun. right? He heard about Charles Manson and was disgusted. 
that a pregnant woman, Sharon Tate, was killed. And then he says, quote, The I fuck does it matter? I know it sounds strange, but it seemed my carrying cube came out. So, this, his grammar is awful. So, you'll you'll notice it in the quotes. But, yeah. Um, he, he did, he said he was disgusted by the fact that. Why? You why would you kill a dead. pregnant woman? What? Yeah. Um, in August of 1970, back in Wichita, Dennis's mom introduced him to Paula Dietz. Dietz. They started dating, and he started classes at Butler County Community College and still working part-time at Leakers. Uh, he said, quote, there was a little time to wear a black hat. Hmm. They married on May 22nd in 1971. Uh, Dennis would drive around practicing self-gratification in old barns, homes, and bridges. Quote, the key to this self-gratification was to be bound hand and foot with the rope tight in the groin area, gagged, a plastic bag over my head, a noose on the neck, and the sounds of an approaching vehicle as it hit the bridge's wooden planks. It's mm. very specific. Yeah, that is. Um, he also had what he called hidey holes everywhere. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> it's where he would hide shit. <laughs> yeah, but he called them hidey holes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Some of them were clever. Like, he, like, not emptied, gutted out, I guess, a tree limb yeah. and, like, put the shit in there. Yeah. Who the fuck calls it a hidey hole? <laughs> this dork does. Just wait. His name's for other things? Babe. Babe. <laughs> he nicknamed his uh, penis Sparky. <laughs> and um, he That's would. Awesome. When he would have a sexual emission. Mm he would refer to it as the big G. <laughs> but if it was a really good one, he referred to it as Sparky Big Time. Oh, yeah. I like that. He's, Sparky Big Time. He's a little much. He's a, li- <laughs> he's a little much. Little much. Wow. Um, so he started working at the Coleman plant, so like the camping gear and shit. Yeah. Um, but quit when he graduated because it was boring. He graduated in 1972 with an associate's in electronics. And in early 1973, he got hired by Cessna Aircraft Company and was volunteering at Christ Lutheran Church as a youth sponsor. Mm. Quote, but the job at Cessna lasted only nine months as the economy went bad. Uh, In October, I was laid off. My world was crushed. I went to the dark side. Uh, He attempted kidnapping twice and it didn't work because he's an idiot. Um, Sucks at it. Right after the second attempt, he spotted Julie Otero. Mm-hmm. Now, Julie Otero, they her family was newer to the Wichita area. They'd only been at the, the home that they were in for nine weeks. Yeah. But she worked at Coleman. Okay. But it was after him. It just happened to work out that way. Right. Um, he wanted to fucking hang someone. Mm. He wanted to take Julie and her kids to an old barn and hang them. The Oteros were picked due to Dennis's trolling, stalking, and locking in. So he is obsessed with the number three, and everything has to do with three. So he would troll and find somebody. And then once he found somebody, he would stalk them and then lock in on them. Um, He says, I like the Hispanic people. The females look sexy Mm, to me. Me too, buddy. I only fucking wrote that for you. Me too, buddy. That was the only fucking reason. My Latinas. Mm -hmm. Where you at? Holla. Good Lord. I'm a fucking leprechaun. So like the exact opposite (laughs) of a Hispanic female. Yeah. Um, Dennis started calling his targets projects or PJs, naming each according to specific characteristics. He called the Oteros Project Little Mex. 
You're a dick. Yeah. <laughs> You're a dick. Pretty much. Um, so he was going to pretend that he was a wanted man. And he believed it would make the woman feel slightly safer, more assured that she would survive the encounter. Right. What? <sighs> sure. So the plan was to take them hostage in the garage. Julie and the kids, because he had learned the routine. Okay. Um, on January 15th, 1974, at precisely 8.20 in the morning, Dennis arrived at the Oteros. He knew their daily routines and planned on just mom and the two youngest kids to be home. He hopped the fence and cut the phone line, uh, and that's when he saw paw prints in the snow. Mm-hmm. He did not anticipate a dog and thought about leaving. Mm. He didn't. Uh, but the back door opened, and so then he had to commit. No. So Dennis entered the Otero home, gun in hand, a 22 LR Woodsman auto target pistol. Mr. Otero came from the back room, who wasn't supposed to be home, yeah. uh, thinking it was a joke put up by his brother-in-law. Yeah. Quote, I qu- quickly grabbed him by the back collar. I showed him the gun, told him it was a 22 LR with hollow points and a hair trigger. He knew it was no joke. He told them that he was AWOL from um, the Air Force and he was wanted by the police and he needed food and money. Mm. quote to loosen the tension there was friendly talk about the air force years and tech school oh that's nice no mr otero was actually retired from the air force oh really and was home because he had a couple cracked ribs from a car accident a couple days prior Mm. um so he told dennis like the car has no gas but take the typewriter and go hawk it for gas money um dennis said once he got into the house he panicked and he lost control no Uh, it happens every Mm-hmm. The dog threw him off, so he made Mrs. Otero put it outside. Uh, Mr. Otero told his family to stay calm and do as Dennis said. Dennis bound the family with medical tape, redoing it several times when they complained about being uncomfortable. He, well, that's nice of him. Yeah. Oh, he talks about that later. Don't worry. <laughs> yes. Uh, he gagged them with pillowcases, socks, and T-shirts and says, quote, I think I wrapped the rope around Mr. Otero's neck. I had never strangled before, didn't realize how long it took, and the victim was fighting. Then I strangled Mrs. Otero. Once she quit moving, I let pressure up. Next was Josephine, who was the 11-year-old daughter. She asked, quote, what's going on? I told her I had put her parents to sleep, and you're next. I strangled her until she quit moving. By that time, Joseph Jr. was up and crying, and Mrs. Otero was waking up. Mm. I decided to use the plastic bags. Mm. So they were like little white garbage bags that he used. Uh, he again thought about leaving, but had crossed, quote, the death path. Yeah. Mrs. Otero was becoming hysterical, so he strangled her with a clove hitch. Uh, before he applied pressure, she said, quote, may God have mercy on your soul. Oh, wow. He then put a flower print pillowcase over her face. Should I give a trigger warning? I mean, I feel like if you're Probably. listening to BTK, you know. The guy may be an idiot, but his... His murders were horrific. And yeah. the first one, this is his first murder, why he decides to murder a family of fucking four, I don't know. But um, it's one of the worst ones. Yeah. So, trigger warning. There's child death, sexual gratification, sexual talk, no rape. Yeah. Um, but it's it's bad. So, um, he used a belt to strangle Mr. Otero. He put a t-shirt and another bag over Joseph Jr.'s head and carried him to another room. Uh, Joseph Jr. struggled and rolled off the bed, but then he quit. He quit moving. Quote, many people think I tortured the Oteros and killed them in a sadistic way by reviving them. But the multiple strangle marks were there because I hadn't learned how to strangle quickly. Wow. The bags helped kill faster, 
I had strangled cats, but I had never strangled anyone before. So I really don't know how much pressure you had to put on a person or how long it would take. He then talks about how his hands were sore for days after. So he started using exercise balls to strengthen his hands. He had one in his car and at home and everywhere. Uh Yeah. Can you imagine like sitting at a a red light and like this is staring at you? Right. What the fuck? Did you do both at the same time? Right. Um, So Josephine... Little Josephine was 11. She was still passed out, and he wanted to hang her. Uh, He said this is where his, quote, dark, sadistic self came out. He found a basement sewer pipe and carried her unfighting and lethargic body to the spot. Now, everybody that knows me knows I hate the word fucking lethargic because nobody knows how to use it the right way. Mm -hmm. I think he might have used it in the right way (laughs) in this book. Um, He then said, and I, I have to quote him because I can't. Um, quote, I removed her pants, pulled her panties down and either cut or tore her bra open, exposing her breasts. He asked if her parents had a camera. She said no. So he laid her on the floor under the hangman's noose. He told her she was going to go to sleep and be in heaven with her brother and parents. Quote, her eyes showed shock. I applied the noose and lifted her up and tightened the rope or tied it off. I was overwhelmed with excitement. I touched her breasts and masturbated. The act of hanging alone is bad, and the media played this up with her toes only a few inches off the floor. It just happened that this is the way she ended up. It wasn't planned to look this way. Wow. Um, Dennis went through the house, cleaned everything up. He then got a glass of water, uh, washed and dried the glass, and put it back. This became a ritual. The water? Yes. It was one of his trademarks. You know what else his trademark was? What? Cutting the phone line. Everybody fucking did that (laughs) back then. Yeah dumbass um he took a transistor radio and mr otero's watch which he thinks he wore for years okay yeah uh the dipshit left his buck knife in the backyard though and drove his own car back to the house to get it what this is what this is where like you stop and go what yeah what how the fuck did you not get caught right (sighs) uh he burned everything he could Mm-hmm. So there was no evidence, but he did write a detailed entry or detailed entry in his journal. Oh, yeah. Yes. You got to keep mm-hmm. a journal. Uh, finishing as his wife got home from work. Mm-hmm. The Oteros were found by their three oldest kids, 15-year-old Charlie, 14-year-old Danny, and 13-year-old Carmen. Oh, that's fucked um, up. Carmen yelled to Charlie to come quick, quote, mom and dad are playing a bad joke on us. Mm-hmm. Now, the crime scene was uh, a little fucked up because Carmen, Carmen was trying to get the the rope from around her mom's neck with a nail clipper. Oh. And they were trying to use a knife to get the binds off their parents. Yeah. So, um, that, obviously, they called the cops. Um, Josephine was found downstairs in the dark when an officer bumped into her hanging. Mm. So, um, Dennis was getting restless in the weeks after the murders and wanted to do it again, so he started to prowl. He had several proje- projects. He would have several projects going on at one time. So if one didn't work out, he could go to another one. Right. Um, Dennis spotted Kath- Catherine Bright at her mailbox. She fit my fantasy profile. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what? Oh, a co-ed. I'm like, cold. Dishwater blonde and small. I thought you liked Mexican chicks. Yeah. 
Mm, whatever. Um, sure. So he decided she was it, wanting to strangle or suffocate her, and called her Project Lights Out. On April 4th, 1974, Dennis entered 2317 East 13th Street with a 357 Magnum, a Colt Woodsman, two knives, and extra rounds in a shoulder holster. Ooh. Doesn't... What? Doesn't wear a shoulder holster? One of our yeah. guys does, yeah. yeah. Um, so he also had golf clubs on. And he decided that he needed to start wearing golf gloves after seeing Jack Nicholson wearing them um, in a movie as a hitman. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, he saw her car and figured she was home. He planned on telling her he was a student looking for a new tutor. Uh, Dennis figured out she wasn't home, so he broke in to wait for her. While he was walking around looking for a place to wait for her at, he heard two car doors. Not one, but two. Uh, when he looked out the window, he saw Catherine and a male. There wasn't much time to do anything, so he approached them gun in hand. He would later say that this was dumb because the door was open and they could have just ran out. Hmm. But again, didn't anticipate a second person. Right. Uh, he used the same ruse as he did at the Otero, saying that he was from California and needed a car. Uh, he thought, again, it would make him look like a robber. Uh, Dennis didn't bring in his hit kit because he wanted his tutor ruse to work, so he had none of his own shit with him. Hmm. Uh, he found things such as nylons and made the male, who uh, was named Kevin and was Catherine's brother, tie Catherine's hands, then made her watch while he tied him up. He moved Catherine to another room and tied her to a chair. He turned the radio up super loud and went back to strangle Kevin. Kevin had broke the binds and started fighting, so Dennis shot him in the head. Wow. He went back to strangle Catherine, her binds broke, and she also started to fight. He then heard noises in the other room and went back and found that Dennis was up. Yeah. Or Kevin was up. Yeah. Uh, he went to re-strangle him. They fought and Kevin grabbed the gun from his shoulder holster. Yeah. See, that's what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, there's multiple story, like multiple, uh, not versions, but um, according to Dennis, he said, quote, I stuck my finger in there and jammed it. I got away and used the twenty-two and shot him one more time. I tried a quick John Wayne shot. I didn't aim. I just pulled it out of my parka pocket and fired towards his head. First of all, I hate the word parka. And I hate when people say that. Second, um, it was reported that he stuck his finger in the actual, like, hole on the gun. Yeah. And it was also reported that he stuck his finger, like, he just got lucky and it went um, where the trigger was. So Kevin wasn't able to pull the trigger. Uh, I don't, we don't know, obviously. Yeah. Um, He ended up shooting Kevin in the mouth, though. Um, after this, he lost control and composure. Sweetie, I think you lost it before that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's been lost. Um, Catherine was hysterical and her gag had slipped. He unsuccessfully tried to strangle her and remembered he read somewhere about how to stab a person. Mm. Uh, quote, I'd had no intention of stabbing anyone, but it happened because I lost control. I thought I had just stabbed it two or three times. It was a total mess because I didn't have control over it and she was bleeding bad. Then I heard Kevin escape. All of a sudden, the front door of the house was open, and he was gone. Dude's been shot twice in the head. He's out. Yeah. He runs down the street, finds somebody, and says they're doing a number on my sister in there. Wow. Um, so, wow. Catherine was still alive when he left. Um, he ended up stabbing her 11 times with an 8-inch fucking buck knife. Jesus. She survived until she got to the hospital and got into surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, she kept telling the police she couldn't breathe. Yeah. Clearly. Um, 
as he tried to leave, he grabbed um, the wrong set of keys. So, like, Catherine's car was parked, and then her brother's car was parked. Yeah. And he was going to steal the brother's car, but grab right. the wrong set of fucking keys. Because he's idiot. an idiot. Yeah. Um, and on his way out, by the way, he cut his leg on a piece of glass. <laughs> and dropped a gray stocking cap. So now your blood's there, and you have a hat there. Cool. Nice job. Um, Kevin was able to actually describe Dennis. He said he was a white male, 25 years old, 5'11", a stocky 180 pounds, dark hair and mustache, and sweating profusely. Hmm. Profusely. Profusely. Yeah. Uh, which Dennis said he did sweat a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, same dude. Same, same. dude. Okay. Even um, in the cold. Oh, my he God. He contemplated killing the entire family, but instead he moved all his hidey hole shit to his parents and wrote a detailed journal entry again. Hmm. What's up with you fucks in your journals? Don't ask me. I don't have one. I'm sorry. I I ain't writing shit down. Uh, You don't write shit down. Uh, So his second murder attempt had also been a complete fucking disaster. Yeah. Uh, Detectives ultimately decided the two murders were not connected. The MO was too different. Hmm. So uh, during the summer, he had projects and broke into some homes, and several people had close calls, he said. I don't think they were close calls so much as you fucked up yeah. and you couldn't follow through. Yeah. So um, after Catherine's murder, three men in jail started talking about having knowledge of the Otero murders, and after they were interviewed by police, it became a news story. Mm. So Dennis was like, what the fuck? Yeah. He knew he couldn't confess, but he couldn't let someone else claim the crime. Right. He wanted police attention uh, to be focused on the elusive killer. So on uh, October 22nd of 1974, Dennis called Don Granger, a columnist at the Wichita Eagle, who really followed this story all the way through. Yeah. Um, He used a gruff Midwestern voice and told Granger to go to the public library, look inside the book Applied Engineering Mechanics, and in it there would be a letter detailing the Otero murder, proving the three men didn't do it. Mm. And I was going to read the letter, but I'm not going to because it's it's long. Yeah. Um, he just says basically they're doing it for publicity. Right. Um, he wasn't completely set on the name BTK, and I'll I'll get to that later. Mm. Um, because I thought it came in this letter and it didn't. Uh, so he was delighted when he saw an ad in the Eagles personal section that said, "quote BTK help is available." That's how you communicated back then, I guess. Hmm. Um, The murders in Wichita had everybody freaked out, obviously. The sale of security systems skyrocketed, and in November of 1974, Dennis got a job at EDT Security. Hmm. He went to school in the evening, but this gave him jobs out of town and opportunities to prowl other places. This also, like, you can get in. Yeah. Like, you handed it to him on a silver platter. I mean, they didn't you know. Um, he acted normal at home with Paula, but he was becoming overly defensive. Uh, he then took some time off from killing. Oh. Quote, almost like a critter of the deep woods or a werewolf, the kill satisfied and there was no need to hurry. And the next strong fantasy would start from what the troller or stalker sees. I watched and did some BE, but did not strike. Uh, the last part, and the most dangerous, is how we can blend into society with no apparent outstanding characteristics. That is what makes a serial killer so dangerous and hard to detect. Like the wolf in sheep's clothing. A powerful, deadly figure among the sheep, able to work, be a husband, father, and a lover, 
almost a bad Robin Hood or Zorro. White Hat becomes Black Hat, and for some unknown reason to the common man, the Minotaur has to do foul deeds to feel special. Mm. So Minotaur is his word for serial killers. It's yeah. a mythical being that's... Right, yeah. right. Um, he then said that he had thought about suicide, but the never-ending power of um, bondage and S&M were overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um People don't realize this is a fantasy world and collecting or doing these drawings is not good. Society is really down on them, so it's a secret. My feeling is that the victims were objects, part of the fantasy. They all had a role. With the Oteros, it was the murder of a family. And yes, sexually exciting. I came to climax that day. Wow. Uh, In the early winter of 1975, Paula found out she was pregnant. Mm. Brian was born on July 26, 1975, in the afternoon, and I was so excited for us and our folks. We were now a family. With a job and a baby, I got busy. Paula left the VA to be a stay-at-home mother. Uh, At the beginning of 1977, Dennis was growing restless and prowling for hit number six, Mm. although it was his 15th project. Mm. Because he sucks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Paula was pregnant again. Mm. Yeah. Um, Project 17 and Project SE were failures. Yeah. Um, on August 11th, 1976, Project Trailer was supposed to happen, but it was interrupted by a police, uh, by police being everywhere after shooting at the Wichita Holiday Inn. Mm. Uh, Dennis picked March for his next assault because it relates to threes. And he was on vacation from work in spring break. So, you know, just kind of worked out. Got some time. Uh, his project Green or Greenwood, he couldn't remember, didn't work out because the chick wasn't home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, quote, I had enough projects I'd been watching that if one didn't work out, I could just go to another. Mm. Yeah. Shirley Vian uh, had not been his first choice that day. Unfortunately, she, yeah. Um, so he passed a small boy walking home from Dylan's grocery store and followed him home, figuring he had a mom there. Yeah. That's how he picked this one. Wow. Um. He used a picture of his wife and baby to talk to the boy. He went to the door, knocked, um, answered it. You know, they answered it. It was the boy and his brother. And he said that he was a private detective looking for the mom and the baby. He later said that he regrets it and hopes they don't read this. Yeah. Uh, He forced his way in with his 357 Magnum. Mrs. Vian came out of her room to see what was going on. She was dressed in a nightgown and a robe because she was homesick. Uh, he told her he had a problem with sexual fantasies and he was going to tie her up. He was going to tie up the kids first and they'd be okay if she cooperated. After one of the kids started crying when he tried to tie him up, he got frustrated and decided to put the kids in the bathroom and shut the door. Wow. Quote, we put toys and blankets in there for them. Mrs. Vian helped me. She told the kids to do whatever I said. I tied the door shut, but the kids were still yelling. She helped me shove a bed against the door. Then I proceeded to tie her up. At that point, she vomited. I think my being there made her worse. What? That's my stomach. Is it? (laughs) Um, Tacos. She was was, uh, partially tied up when I got her a glass of water and comforted her a little bit. And then he says, this compassion runs in most of my crimes. Fuck you. Whatever, dude. I hope she puked on you. Right? (laughs) You made her worse. You really, really? I think my being there made her worse. Whatever. You think? Oh, my God. So he taped her arms crisscrossed behind her back, which was uh, most exciting for him. He tied her legs to the bedpost, working the rope up her legs and around her neck, which is what he learned from the magazine. Yeah. 
Uh, the kids were banging on the door yelling to leave their mother alone and Dennis yelled that he would shoot them. Um, at this point, he took the rope around her neck and he strangled her. So he mm. doesn't spend much time. He says later that he would like to, but all, something always comes up. Well, that's because you're a fucking idiot and you don't yeah. plan it the right way. Right. Um, the the kids ended up getting out. One of them crawled through a window and went to a neighbor's house, but they were able unable to give the police anything useful. Yeah. Um, Dennis was upset with himself for deflecting from his plans and entering a home he had not studied. He was not as in control as he believed and not the polished killer of his own fantasies. He needed a murder that he would be proud of. Okay. Sure. Uh, he did steal her underwear, though. Mm. He had an addiction towards female undergarments. I don't get it. I don't either. I don't even. sniff them? I don't even. No, he wears them. Yeah, that he, I don't he get. He wears them. Yeah. Well, I don't. Like, it's not a, it's not a sniffing thing. I, I don't I get don't, that. Yeah. Um, years later, a detective would ask about the time gaps and he said, quote, I think, he, I think it can be that a man goes fishing and sometimes he's not very lucky. It may be some social issue, issues. He's busy at home or work. I did not fit the normal profile of a serial killer. Why were there gaps of so many years? Bottom line, I was always on the prowl, much like hunting or fishing rituals. You're planning, checking gear, perhaps reading and studying books or magazines. It may take months or even years to plan a successful day. Mm. You still didn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shirley's murder inspired him to write a poem. Oh, lovely. Yes, that he based off of Goldilocks. And he said he, he liked poetry because his mom and grandma read it to oh, him. Um, I'm not reading the poem special. either because, again, it's stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> life was good in 1977, but Dennis enjoyed trolling too much to give it up. Mm-hmm. He watched for a hit that would have little chances of complications and had several possible targets. He focused on Project Fox, Foxtail, or Fox Hunt. Ooh, it, it was all sounds perfect. serious. Uh, there are three letters in Fox's name. It sounds similar to sex, and the fox is hard to catch. She looked very smart, so I had to outsmart her. The date was also close to the anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, and this was a sneak attack. December is also the year coming to an end, and winter is the end of a life cycle. All the things were right about this hit. What? I don't know, dude. Babe. I don't know. That's so much thought. And then you drop <laughs> yeah, your fucking is. hat. Yeah. You put that much thought into it. and then, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote Dennis did his homework for this one. <laughs> he went through a mail to learn her name, because Catherine Wright, he didn't know her name until after he fucking killed her. And saw it on the news. Uh, and sized her up. He then began practicing cutting glass with a glass cutter. What? Why? On a back shed window. Because he could get in without making any noise. But you leave your knife at a murder scene? Yeah. Okay. Dude. Uh, he says, quote, on a BE, there's a powerful feeling as you enter someone's territory. It is a violation to them. Yes, sort of a mental rape. On December 8th, so now we have two birthdays, mm-hmm. Leah and Sam. Yeah. Uh, Dennis entered the home of Nancy Fox and waited for her in the kitchen. He remembers there being a Christmas tree by the window and was struck by the cleanliness. She was startled when she came in. Uh, He told her he traveled a lot, meant no harm, and had a sexual problem. He wanted sex. He would tie her up and take pictures. So then they sat and talked for a little while. She smoked a cigarette. Um, That's nice. But then she stood up and said, quote, well, let's get this over with so I can call the police. (laughs) 
Uh, he says at that point she sealed like her fate. Check. Yeah, she sealed her fate because he wasn't wearing a mask. Dude, yeah. you were going to fucking kill her anyways. Like, right. let's give her some credit. Yeah. So uh, she has to go to the bathroom. He blocked the door and told her to undress. She has to leave her sweater on and the bathroom or the bedroom door open, and he complied with both, which, again, he points out as being compassionate. Mm, very. No, you're just you're stupid. <laughs> uh, he handcuffed her hands behind her back, laid her on the bed, tied her feet, and then gagged her. He got on top of her and strangled her with a belt. Mm. Now, he tells um, in court, he says that she just died. Yeah. He tells the police and the author of this book, because this is mostly in his words where I got yeah. the, the research from. Um, he said that she came to and he whispered in her ear that he was BTK, the bad guy. Yeah. She tried to fight. Um, she grabbed his balls and squeezed them, trying to get him to let go. But, yeah. quote, it actually made it more exciting. Oh. Yeah. He removed the belt and handcuffs and replaced them tightly with tied pantyhose. Then he masturbated into her blue nightgown. As she lay dying, he went through her stuff and said, I kept some of her nice feminine clothing and jewelry. Leave it to a weird guy like me to do that. <laughs> uh, as he left the area, he called Paula to let her know that he had car trouble and he'd be late. Oh. Yeah. Uh, craving attention the next day, he couldn't wait, he called the police from a payphone and reported the murder. <laughs> This dude is something else. On December 9th, 1977, at 8.15 in the morning, he calls and says, quote, Yes, you will find a homicide at 843 South Pershing, Nancy Fox. Uh, then says, quote, I get quite a bit of excitement reading stuff about what I did in the paper. You sit there and they talk about you on TV. That's pretty high type shit. Wow. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, in January of 1978... Paula found um, the drafts of his Shirley Locks poem. Because, you know, it was four lines and it took him two fucking years to write. Yeah. Uh, he told her they were studying BTK in a class he was taking. Really? Because, of course, he's going to school for criminal justice. Yeah. Well, Why wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, so Dennis put the completed poem and BTK's initials on a 3 by 5 index card and mailed it to the Wichita Eagle on January 31st, 1978. Uh, when it didn't get mentioned, Dennis wrote a two-page letter including... Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Another poem and a drawing of a bound and gagged female lying in the same manner that he left Fox and sent it to KAKE TV. I'm not reading it again. Yeah. Uh, it was opened by a receptionist on February 10th, 1978. He saw this communication as a cat and mouse game with the police. It says, quote, I do think I bragged a lot, much like Ted Bundy, who he called Ted of the West Coast, by the way. Bundy okay. would have kicked his ass. Um, 
Much like a horror story, there is a rush and excitement in words. It's easy to say that something besides my conscious self caused the dark side. Job loss, boredom, the factor X was so strong. Um, so in this letter, he, he wasn't quite set on BTK. Yeah. He gave them options. Mm. <laughs> um, do you want to know the options? Sure. Okay. Um, he said, here, in, in case you want to call me something else, yeah. here's some options. Uh, BTK Strangler. Ooh. Wichita Strangler. Ooh. The Poetic Strangler. Oh. Your poems suck. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bondage Strangler. The Bondage Psycho. Mm -hmm. Wichita Hangman. Ooh. Wichita Executor. Ooh. The Asphyxiator, which nobody can fucking say that. Like a wrestling name. And the Garot Phantom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why they stuck with BTK. Um, But he acted as if the name was given to him. And he wanted a moniker that conveyed power and control. Yeah. He said, quote, I embraced it. I was like the Green River Killer or Son of Sam. I had a label on me that you fucking put there. Right. Dummy, you put it there. Um, he says that people think I actually tortured people. I just tied them up. That's not the same thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just so you know. Not the same at all. No, not, babe, not at all. Um, so he says again, like I said, that Factor X is what, you know, makes him and other serial killers kill the dark passenger yeah he says he'll leave it up to the experts to solve the x mystery or at least to shed a light on the subject Mm -hmm. uh quote the other thing to reflect on the arousal doesn't have to be with humans it could be with an animal a doll or mannequin pictures my slick ads which is like ads like chicks that he caught out of ads in the paper and taped them to a fucking index card um or bondage drawings or devices that are made for bondage I might do something with mannequins in a back room if I were installing an alarm in a business that had them. Babe. Babe. Yeah, Um, not into that. Dennis had studied several serial killers and knew that he was one, Christian or not. Dude. (laughs) So the story being publicized at the time was that Wichita had a local serial killer on the loose who had killed seven people, declared his presence, and threatened to kill more. Police urge residents to lock their windows and doors and look for strangers in their neighborhood. Why is your shit not locked to begin with? Yeah. Why? I I don't get that. I locked this place down like Fort fucking Knox. Yeah. And you people left your fucking door open? What? Dude, you're fucking asking for these people to come in. I mean, was it just the time? It must have been. But... It's fucking crazy. Try and open a fucking window in this house right. without unlocking it. Right. My stomach is growling. Mine is too. I want tacos. I'm I'm going fast. Just so you know. Um. Did you fill that whole book? No. Oh. Half? Oh, okay. So I was going to say, like, if that's the whole book, holy no. shit. Half. And there's some stuff I didn't write. I just earmarked the page. So, Yeah. This was, this was a detailed one. Yeah, I see. Um, so they said he was a stalker, careful and crafty, but would seem ordinary. Uh, Paula later questioned it, the spelling errors mm-hmm. in the letters that were being publicized and yeah. with Dennis, because he was stupid and couldn't spell. And she was like, well, he's ordinary. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, no one knows when he would strike next, and the police did not know how to stop him. Mm. 
The reality, though, is that most of his crimes were mundane, uh, petty theft and peeping. Dennis's, uh, Dennis and Paula's second child, Carrie Lynn, was born on June 13th, 1978. I couldn't convert the 6th to June. Really? Yeah, it took a minute. I'm broken. Yeah. Yeah. Quote, she was a delight to the world, and for Paula, for now, she had a girl, a daughter she could share her life with. I was overjoyed to be uh, a proud dad of a healthy boy and now a healthy girl. Now, his daughter wrote a book. Oh, really? Yeah. So, um, Paula came home unexpectedly one day and caught Dennis in bondage. (laughs) Uh, She was like... What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, and worried about the kids. Yeah. She talked to a professional and read a book on bondage and S&M. And Paula inevitably decided she didn't want to separate and alarm the kids or cause any talk at church because they were very prominent in the congregation. Yeah. Paula did not like what she had learned about her husband, but she adjusted. Uh, quote, she seemed to accept it. We didn't talk about it. He debated whether or not he should get help. Even I don't even know what fucking word I was supposed to contemplated. Um, acting insane to go to an insane asylum like he saw in a movie. Why? He's in the bondage. No, no, no. Like, so he, like, he wouldn't get in trouble for murder. Oh. Yeah. So, like. we were still talking about the bondage. We are, but that was, like, to to get out of it. Right, nobody gives it. Everyone. That's the thing. Everyone has a fantasy. Dude, do, do you. Yeah. Do you. Awesome. And if somebody voluntarily wants to do it with you, that's fucking great. Yeah. Don't murder people. Right. He tried with Paula once, like, to put her hands behind her back, and she didn't like it. And he said he never did it again. They had very normal sex. They had a very normal sex life. And before and after she caught him. So he didn't need it. Right. You know? Right. Um, So he didn't get help because his interest in bondage was much stronger than his desire to stop. Uh, Dennis followed the stories of John Wayne Gacy and the Hillside Stranglers, and he claimed that while other killers intrigued and excited him, he did not idolize them. I'm sorry. Yes, you did. He enjoyed... He did everything they did. Yeah. He enjoyed seeing the parallels, especially with the killers who posed as community leaders or helpers, John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> on April 28th, 1979, Anna Williams came home to find someone had been in her house. Mm-hmm. Personal items had been gone through and the phone line had been cut because that's his That's his signature. signature. Yeah. Uh, Dennis eventually took credit for the crime and said that uh, Anna, who was 63, that her 24-year-old granddaughter, Rebecca, was actually the target, but he would have settled for Anna if she was the only one home. Mm. Uh, he wrote on the bathroom near, mirror with lipstick because, you know, at this time, the lipstick... Well, the lipstick killer was out. Oh, okay. So, I'm sorry, you don't copy them? What? Yeah. yeah. He would also get drunk and write BTK was here in bathroom <laughs> stalls. Dork. So, yeah. Have you ever written out a bathroom stall? No. I never felt the need to. First of all, I'm not in there long enough to, let's make a drawing. Like, what? <laughs> I don't. Babe. No, I make my poop and I go. <sighs> yeah, but you're in there for, I mean, you're in there long enough to draw a picture. Not I when I'm, like... like, at home. I gotta be home and mm-hmm. then relax. But no, if I'm somewhere else, no, I make my poop and I go. Don't draw on the walls here. I won't. So I'll try not to. We have a toilet room in our master bathroom. It's so the toilet is separate. Mm. It's in a separate room. I'm not telling you. You know this. Yeah. You were the perfect size. <laughs> you would sit down. Oh, I'd fall asleep. And you had like an inch on each side, and you would just. <laughs> yeah, I'd fall asleep. In all there. the fucking time. 
Yeah. All the time. There was a mark for my head yes. on the wall. I finally just left you there because I would try to wake you up and you'd be like, nah, nah. <laughs> All right, sleep on the fucking toilet then. Dude, what's better than like sleeping and pooping? You weren't pooping at the same time. I just got done. I just left you. Whatever. I know you did. <laughs> and I, I joke. People get mad at me. I say that you're going to be that fucking naked commode code oh, I'm that's gonna, stuck I'm, in between the wall and the toilet and the paramedics are going to be like, right. fuck this. You're goddamn right. I'm going to fucking die on the toilet. You are. And you're going to die pushed against the wall because the paramedics are going to be like, we are not fucking moving this guy. Yep, yep. Cool. I know it. You're going to be a commode code just like Elvis. A commode code. I like that. Yeah. Well, you push too hard and your heart explodes. <laughs> that's weird. I do sometimes. It's not good. No, you've almost passed out. I have. A couple times. Yeah. Maybe that's why you're sleeping. Maybe. It's a good thing you didn't go head fucking first. Yeah, true. So, that's our story on the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Making poop. In May of 1979, Dennis graduated with a bachelor's in administration of justice. Because hmm. that's what they do. Why? I don't know. They think it helps. Uh, in June, he mailed a package to Anna. Uh, it was actually addressed to her dead husband, because mm. you're a dick. Yeah. Uh, it contained another poem, a drawing, and one of her stolen scarves and a piece of jewelry. Mm. He mailed a similar package to Cake TV. Uh, both included a specialized BTK symbol. Which was some sort of erotic drawing of some sort with the B. Awesome. Um, Paula caught him again. Really? Flipped her shit. She said if she ever caught him again, she would file for divorce and make him leave for good. I mean, he's into it. But it's, I mean, you didn't do that thing then. You know, it wasn't like known then. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how I would fucking feel if I walked in and you were in a goddamn nightgown with a fucking rope around well, your Well, that, I, I'm not... That's what the... he would do for for self-gratification. He would dress up in the women's clothing that he stole. Yeah. And he would tie himself up. I think you would just walk in and be like, dude, for real. Put and it then, back. Yeah, put, just, just stop. Come down back. and stop. It's dinner time. Yeah. I also think, though, that your reflexes are shit and you wouldn't be able to, like, undo yourself. I wouldn't be able to. So. Yeah, I wouldn't. No way. I mean, I would be a little freaked out. Yeah. Maybe not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) A little freaked out. Um, So he was now pissed because he lost part of his power to a woman and disliked the humiliation and disruption. But then says, quote, I wonder if after I was arrested, Paula told police about these incidents. I feel terrible that she had to endure all that I caused. Um, In 1983, Brian joined the Cub Scouts and Dennis became a scout leader. This and church activities helped him affirm to himself that he was fundamentally a good person because he pointed that out 9,700 times. In the 19, or excuse me, in 1984, investigators marked the 10-year anniversary of the Otero murder, and they could only wonder what happened to BTK because he hadn't struck. No. Uh, blood samples were taken, and suspects were eliminated. Uh, in October, several FBI profilers uh, offered a detailed portrait, which were very similar to the one I read earlier. Um, they, they would say, quote, the killer was sadistic, controlling, and superficial. He read detective magazines and pornography. 
enjoyed S&M practices with a partner, and liked to drive around. He was a lone wolf type. His car would be ordinary, and he was probably in his mid-30s. He would live within a few mile radius of the crime scenes and probably had known one or more of the Oteros. He would do well in his job, which would allow him to wear a uniform, but would only stay temporarily employed. He probably had military training and an interest in law enforcement, and he carried weapons. Uh, others would take notice that he was critical of the cops and the investigation. These FBI profilers, man. Yeah. Get it. Yeah, they're on point. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, for the most part. Uh, Dennis still prowled and fantasized about projects. He kept busy and indulged his fantasies privately as a way to control his compulsions. He reassured himself he was still the dark killer he believed himself to be, uh, but lived easily as two distinctly different people. So, like, he wanted to be bad. Wanted to be bad. Uh, he could, quote, feed the monster with compromising, without compromising his family as long as he kept both sides cubed. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I think I fell asleep here because there's a pen mark. Um, <laughs> but then he couldn't. There's there's pen all over my sweatpants from the other night. <laughs> like, all over. Um, Dennis was always trolling, and he noticed his 53-year-old neighbor, Marine Hedge. Uh, he learned her routine and moved to the stalking and planning stage. This was the first time he would use the Boy Scouts as a cover. Mm. The first time. Yeah. April 26th of 1985, Dennis helped set up the Boy Scout camp, then told the boys and other leaders he had a headache and needed to retire early. He went to the bowling alley, then took a cab uh, to Park City, which was his town, obviously. He drank some beer at the bowling alley and splashed him on his face to make the cab driver think he was shit-faced. Dennis cut the phone line, entered the home, and realized she wasn't home. He then heard car doors and voices. Marie, or Marine, excuse me, and her male friend conversed for about an hour while Dennis hid in a spare room closet. Mm. That is the shit nightmares are fucking yeah, made of. That's creepy. Yeah. Um, in the early hours. So yeah. he's in there for a fucking while. That's creepy. He snuck out of the bedroom, turned on the bathroom light. Mm-hmm. That's how she woke up. Uh, she woke up screaming and he immediately jumped on top of her and manually strangled her. Mm. You know, them exercise balls. Yeah. They helped. Um, he wanted originally to take her out of the house alive, which was new. He had never done that before. Yeah. To get pictures, but it didn't work out that way. Yeah. Quote, after that, since I was in the sexual fantasy, I went ahead and stripped her and tied her up. Eventually, I moved her to the trunk of the car. It's like a concrete box. This was the first time I had ever moved a body. And I was worried about my back as I lifted her out of the trunk. What the fuck? Babe. <laughs> There are some things you just don't have to tell people. No. That's going to be one of them. Just the that fuck, one. dude? Yeah. Um, he took her to the fucking church, babe. He took her to Christ Lutheran Church, blacked out the windows, and took pictures of Marine in different positions. Now, he had planned this, so he had everything to, like, black out the windows and all that shit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but then says, quote, I did not use the altar. I was bad and disturbed, but I still had respect for some items of God's house. Oh. Well, that was good. Sir, you have a tied up dead lady. Right. In the church. Pretty sure God frowns upon that. Yeah, you just broke a commandment. Yeah. So I don't feel like you have to be on the altar for Jesus to be like, D- no. dude, right. come on. Mm. Mm. So he left her body in a ditch off of 53rd Street and covered it with brush and tree limbs. 
Mm-hmm. He parked her car at Britney Center, throwing items out of the window as he went back for his car, and then went back to Boy Scout camp. Hmm. Uh, well, when the body went undiscovered, Dennis decided that he needed to go back and get the cord off of her body that he had left on her, because he's an idiot, uh, because it was the same type of cord and he didn't want it to be tied to the Otero and the Vian murders. Uh, Marine's male friend was the prime suspect because he was the last one to see her alive. Carrie would later recall that she was scared, but her dad told her that the Raiders were safe. Mm. He would say later on when Mm. she told him she was scared that one side of him felt empowered. Okay. And the other side felt bad that she was scared. Mm. So your daughter's scared shitless of a serial killer and you're like, cool. It's great. (laughs) What? This dude is something else. Oh, my God. So, um, investigators questioned whether or not this was related and waited for a letter, which he never sent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dennis considered this a success and erased the Anna Williams event. He was satisfied. Mm. In 1985, Dennis became a maintenance officer for ADT. And due to his, quote, social obligations, Dennis now had a limited time frame to complete projects. He decided his next kill would be during his lunch hour then. Oh. What kind of lunch hour do you get? Right? For real. Uh, He spotted 28-year-old Vicky Wigurley, I think is how you say it. I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong. And he spent the next three weeks stalking her. Uh, He decided to use the ruse of being a telephone repair guy and went to the neighbor's house first to ask them some techie questions. He then went to Vicky's house. She answered the door. He said he was a phone guy, and she let him in. He noticed a playpen uh, with a small child in it and two large dogs going crazy at the back door. Uh, he was fiddle-fucking around with whatever with the phone line, and when Vicky turned around, he pulled out his twenty-five caliber auto. He bound her with nylons, but she broke that and started fighting hard. Uh, yeah. He said she fought like a hellcat. <laughs> she scratched him in his nose and face. So then he he was pissed because he had to figure out how to cover it up. Yeah. Um, He says, quote, I finally gained on her and put her down. I strangled her with a nylon stocking. I thought she was dead, but apparently she wasn't. She wasn't moving. I opened her clothes a little bit and took some quick photos. He took three pictures. Uh, Because at this point he got a Polaroid camera. Yeah. Um, He took her purse and her car and then left and could hear the police and ambulance sirens going to her house. Mm. She had told him that her husband was coming home on, you know, his lunch break. Yeah. He fucking passed him. Really? Passed him. He walked in. The husband walked in the house right after this happened. So, of course, he was the prime suspect for a very long time. Yeah. And then fucking Dennis, dickwad, says later, quote, I feel great remorse and sadness today on the death of Mrs. Wigurley. My heart goes out to Mr. Wigurley and his family. Sir. Fuck off. Sometimes you don't say stuff. Yeah. They don't want to hear that. They don't they don't want to hear that. No. Um, in the summer of nineteen eighty eight, Dennis lost his job with ADT. He was uh forty three years old and Paula was again the primary breadwinner, which was a blow to his ego, and his fantasy life returned at full force. He would hunt and fish by the big Arkansas River and would frequently do self gratification. Quote, I tried to obtain work as a police officer. I applied at the Wichita PD, the Sheriff's Department, and the Highway Patrol. All three turned me down. They didn't give me a reason, but it was probably because of my age. That might have triggered my next victim. 
Over the next few years, I really started going wild with more stalking, BEs, and projects, perhaps to let off steam. Hmm. He got a job with the U.S. Census and traveled a lot. Um, he would have frequent motel parties, which was him, just him, yeah. uh, dressing up yeah. as a female and either role-playing as the victim that he had murdered or the person doing the murder. By himself? By himself. Yeah, that's a little weird. By himself. Uh, a little he, weird. He created a, de- a device for auto-asphyxiation, um, but then twice almost didn't get out in time. Mm. So that kind of reminds me of what you said. Gotta be careful. Um, when the census job ended after a year, he had a one-man, quote, office party. <laughs> so he had a, yeah, <laughs> a motel party in the office. Uh, suffocation was still his biggest excitement, and he would use a garment bag. Mm. I, it's big, uh, right? Quote, I did this. Um, I did this to dolls in motel parties. What? I was usually in some kind of semi-bonding to achieve gratification with the large plastic bag over me and the doll-like figure. My Dude, sweat smell, weird. my sweat smell added perfume figure in bondage the big g came quickly oh dude what (laughs) you can't just say like i jerked off in a garment bag like you can't just say that yeah babe that's weird this is (laughs) so much this is so there's so much and like cool bondage whatever but like he's he's too much yeah like he's making it up yeah but he's, he's not. I feel like some of his stories are fluffed. But um, in uh, 1989, he had two projects planned. Uh, he even dug a grave for one. Oh, really? And he um, fumbled fucking both of them. In January of 1991, Dennis was almost 46, and the urge to kill had been growing, causing him to troll. Over four years had passed since his last success, and he needed to reaffirm himself. He saw Dolores Davis in the fall of 1990. He had another project at the same time who happened to be a former church member. Dennis decided on Dolores and picked a date in January. He would use the scouts' annual Dead of Winter campout as a cover. He helped set up camp and then said he had to go back into town for something. He arrived at the home by 11 p.m. and she was inside reading. He waited for her to go to bed. Dennis wanted to try a cat burglar approach but couldn't find a way in. So you want to know what he did? Hmm. He threw a fucking cinder block through her sliding glass door. <laughs> so Whatever. you um you try to do it quietly. <laughs> You're like, nah, fuck this. Yeah. I don't have time for this. Pretty much. She ran out of her room asking if he had hit her house with his car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he told her he was wanted. He needed her house, her car, and her money. He was going to tie her up, then warm up, then take food in her car. Uh, she told him he couldn't be there and she was expecting someone. And he said, quote, ma'am, you're going to have to cooperate. I've got a club. I've got a gun. I've got a knife. And I suggest you do. You take your choice how you want it. Mm. He handcuffed her in the bedroom and pulled out the phone. Pulled out the phone line. Yeah. Um, she wanted her new shoes out of the car before he left. So she wow. really thought he was going to let her go. Yeah. Um. He started to tie her up with pantyhose and believes that this is when she realized he was going to kill her. She begged him not to, but he quickly strangled her with pantyhose. Uh, He put her in a blanket and took her to the trunk, same as Vicky. 
Um, not Vicki Van. Fian, sorry. Um, when Dennis arrived at Christ Lutheran Church, because he took her there too, he realized his 22 was gone. Uh oh. He's gone. Uh oh. He's, he's gone. Jeez. So he went back and he found it uh, right where he had broken the sliding glass or it fell out of his pocket. Fucking goof. But then stopped to remember to take the glass out of his shoes. What a goof. But you dropped you you dropped a gun. This dude's a goof. That's a that's like a big deal. Yeah. You dropped it. Why was yeah. it just willy nilly in your fucking pocket? <laughs> <sighs> so then says quote, that was a weird feeling to have a dead body in the same breathing air as me. You you've killed eight fucking people. Yeah. So what her being in the car makes it different? Dude. This guy is weird. He left her in an old barn and the plan of coming back for pictures when he had more time and the weather was better. Mm. So he just left. Uh, he drove back to camp, slept until breakfast, and then started a fire and waited for the, the kids to wake up. That's nice. Uh, the following night on January 19th, he told the other leaders he needed pills for a headache. He was at a rest stop early in the morning, changing when a trooper came in saying they were questioning everybody because of a recent crime. Mm. Uh, he was worried about the cops seeing the jewelry box and camera in his car. Yeah. You know what else was in the car? Her motherfucking body. <laughs> How about you worry about that? Right. Uh, the next day, a helicopter was seen by the scouts as they returned to the church. There was talk about Davis's murder, that they had found her, and that the Davis and Hedge murders were connected. Again, he detailed everything in his journal, vowing to keep it a secret forever. You want to know how I got away with it for so long? You didn't fucking tell anybody. Right. And they asked him, did you tell anybody? He's like, no, That's... you're not supposed to. Um, he did good there. <laughs> uh, he couldn't find work still and contemplated suicide, but something always distracted him. Mm. I was thinking real hard about it, huh? Uh. Uh, in May of 1991, Dennis landed a full-time job as a compliance officer with Park City. Uh, he would be enforcing ordinances such as pet control, litter, and yard maintenance. Although he realized it was low-level law enforcement, he was happy to have a job, especially one so close to home. And a locking cabinet that he could use as a hidey hole. Hidey hole. <laughs> so, uh, when he started, he was fingerprinted. And he kind of shit himself oh. a little bit, but was like, I always had gloves on, so my fingerprints wouldn't be there. Yeah, no. Uh, he revamped the whole program and became more involved in the church uh, and had teenagers. So he was busy right. uh, and his desire seemed to go away. But in 1994 and 1995, the urge came back. In 95, he did an impulsive BE in the middle of the day, almost getting caught. He found, though, now he didn't have good cover anymore or the freedom to move about at night. Uh, one project always puzzled him, which mm. was PJ Doc. It was the doctor from his childhood. Oh, yeah. Uh, it bothered him that he wanted to hurt her when she had helped him. He thought it was the pain comfort thing as well as her dominance because she was the dominant person in yeah. her family. Um, he didn't do it. The last project was a BE, but no one came home. So again, fucked up. Yeah. In the 80s and early 90s, serial killers were all the rage. It bothered him that fame eluded BTK. He deserved to be on the list with notorious killers like Jack the Ripper and Ted Bundy. These killers believe they are smart enough to not get caught. It's actually called narcissistic immunity. Uh, it's repeat offenders who take significant risks, 
and they have a talent for rebounding from setbacks because they're so certain of their invulnerability. Mm. Some experts call it a survival mechanism. Some think it's a fixation from childhood, that they're fucking spoiled and they can get away with anything. Oh, wow. Um, The narcissistic uh, behavior, or the narcissist never grows, and they never fully emotionally mature. Yeah. Uh, Some killers pride themselves on their modes of deception and manipulation, but they need others to affirm their superiority. A narcissist's addiction to self can be their greatest strength and their greatest weakness. This is how they get caught. Uh In 1995, Dennis was 50. Uh, Brian had graduated high school and Carrie still had a year left. And at this point, Dennis kept a color-coded notebook full of his slide ads. They were separated by race, hair color, age. Yeah. I I mean, office supplies. No. Yeah. Um, His favorite fantasy at the time, uh, he called Project Twin Peaks. He wanted a mother-daughter duo. Ooh, he wanted yeah. them. Wait. He wanted them both blonde with long hair, and he wanted the daughter to be 10 to 12. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, the ruse was he wanted um, the child tied up to a bed with an intercom system hooked up so she could hear her mother being tortured in the other room. Oh, Jesus. All right. That's a bit much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so... In 1996, his father died, and he took over his mom's care. Uh, On November 30th, 2001, Gary Leon Ridgway was arrested and named the Green River Killer. He was linked to several murders from the 80s by DNA. So now Dennis is like, fuck. I jerked off at two of the places. Yeah. Shit. So, and Vicky scratched him. So she had DNA under her fingernails. Yeah. Um, A new team was uh, created by the Wichita PD, led by Lieutenant Kenneth Landwehr, to go over the Wichita cold cases. Yeah. Uh, They knew of seven cases for sure that were BTK and suspected about six others. Um, There were three that he didn't do that they suspected were him. Uh, Sherry Baker, Denise Rathburn, and Sean Casey, they were all killed in in similar manners. Yeah. Uh, As far as I know, their cases are still unsolved, but it was not him. Oh, really? Um, The team had biological evidence in the Fox and Oturo homicides and a geographical profile that suggested the killer lived or worked near the crime scenes. Dennis knew he was in danger, so he began to plan for an end to his double life. Quote, my last motel party was in Dodge City in the spring of 2004. I cleaned up and threw away tons of stuff as I was beginning to downsize. Mm. In January of 2004, uh, the Wichita Eagle reporter Hearst Lavinia published a 30-year retrospective on the Otero murders and other unsolved murders associated with BTK. Great read. Yeah. Um, The story mentioned that many people didn't know about the old BTK cases, and a local author, Robert Beattie, was writing a book to bring them to everybody's awareness. Um, Two months went by. Mm -hmm. Now, Dennis is like, well, I'm going to fuck with these people. Yeah. I'm going to prove that your book is wrong. Okay. So, um, on March 19th of 2004, Lavinia received a letter from Bill Thomas Kilman. It was mailed on the anniversary anniversary of Sherry... Shirley Vian's murder. In the envelope was Polaroids of Vicky Wigurley and a copy of her driver's license. Mm. They had not suspected him at all yeah. in this murder. So he figured, I'm going to bring up a fucking murder that they don't think I did. I'm going to fuck with them. Yeah. Because nobody took pictures of the crime scene. 
So there were no pictures to be found. Right. And he had her actual driver's license. Right. So that delete, delayed the book release because he's like, fuck. Yeah. I got to add some shit. So this caught um, national news outlets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the FBI sent a profiler out and scrapings from Vicky's fingernails showed that DNA was from an unknown male. Uh, Dennis was now 59 and wanted to squeeze more excitement from his notoriety. Quote, this was my fantasy. I'm back to tell the world. Let the games begin. Um, The cat and mouse game gave me an adrenaline rush or a high. It also set the stage for police to know that a serious minotaur was in their midst. He prepared more packages. Packages. On May 4th, I think that was Dad and Lindsay's anniversary. Uh, 2004, Cake TV received a letter from Thomas B. Kingman. It contained a complex full-page crossword puzzle, photocopies of two handmade ID badges, and a photocopy of a, quote, special officer badge. Quote, Cake TV, K-A-K-E TV, sorry, was a favorite media spot for me. They seemed to cover the BTK, BTK case very well. Later, I thought CBS did a better job. Well, fuck you. <laughs> They've been covering your dumbass for 30 years. Right. I don't like CBS anyway. I shouldn't say that. I love CBS. Sorry. Sorry. Um, Dennis said that he had always wanted to put all of his stories, clippings, and drawings into a book or story Uh, format. Yeah. Um, Nice touch. (laughs) Yeah. Um, On June 13th, 2004, a package uh, taped to a stop sign was discovered by a man going to work. It was labeled, quote, BTK Fieldgram. Yeah. Yeah. It had two chapters of a BTK book that he was creating <laughs> called, uh, it was called the BTK story. Yeah. Uh, Deaths of a cold January morning and a photo of a bound woman hanging, which the story uh, reflected the Otero murder and so did the photo. That's what he wanted. Gotcha. Um, quote, there was an emotional rush in doing the cat and mouse. I believe alpha people need to show off in some manner. My showing off may not be direct, but it worked. His next communication would carry a warning. The fun and games were over, and he had spotted his next victim and was considering a date for the hit. He wasn't, but... um, Detective Landwehr had more samples tested and confirmed the link between the Fox and Oturo murders. Yeah. Uh, He also began to address BTK directly. In July of 2004, Dennis tried to trick police into thinking he had killed 19-year-old Jake Allen, who was a teenager who had committed suicide. So Mm. he was just being a dick. Yeah. Um, he didn't communicate again until October. He said he had made his choice for number 11 and set the date for October 22nd. It was a house on Hydraulic Avenue with two females. He decided to go for just the older female. Uh, he would break in and wait for her. He then would set fire to the house to make it look like somebody else had done it. Because that had just recently happened and they tried to pin it on him. The plan was to hang her upside down, suffocate her in a bag, take pictures, and have have self-gratification. You got to listen to this part. Yeah. He saved a lot of seminal fluid in the freezer. What? And planned to spread it all over her and the bed. Oh, dude. They would be able to match it to other scenes, but Dennis would still remain, quote, unknown. (sighs) In his freezer. Yeah, dude. That's gross. Your freezer? What was it in? Like coffee mugs? Right. Like grease? Right. Uh, Babe. (laughs) Uh, At the end of that day, a UPS driver found an envelope that said BTK Fieldgrams. 
It contained a four-page document featuring part of the BTK story again, and two other pages depicting the uno dos trace theory, which was his love of threes. Mm-hmm. Um, it the chapters included talks about his childhood, but it was exaggerated, obviously. Um, the point was to stir the pot. Quote, if I had used a personal computer instead of the one at the church, I might still be out there. At this point in time, I was sick in thought, and it's good that the police caught me. Mm. Dennis attempted to make phone calls, but um, nobody gave a shit. <laughs> so he uh, called the TV station, and he even called Hel- Hellsberg Diamonds, where um, I-, I believe it was Nancy Fox had worked. Yeah. Nobody cared. On December 8th, 2004, he told a clerk at Quick Trip that he put a bomb at North and or 9th and Minnesota. There was no bomb, but an overlooked BTK package that wasn't found for five days. This fucking idiot calls in the bomb threat and drops a $20 bill with his fingerprints all over it. <laughs> Dude uh, is he, struggling. He went back and found it. Okay. This is like the third place he's driven back to. In his car. What a goof. Let me find the shit I dropped. <laughs> right? Um, I, oh, my God. Quote, when I see this now, I'm actually embarrassed at times of what I wrote for the police. But they're part of the cube world. Uh, at this time, America's Most Wanted also aired an episode on him, and he was fucking thrilled. Um, on January 25th of 2005, police learned that he had sent a postcard to Cake TV. Um, it told of a post Toasties cereal box left between 69th and 77th on Seneca Street. He wanted to know that police had received it, so PD had Cake TV film them while they were picking up the cereal box. Yeah. Uh, it had a doll in it <clears throat> that represented Josephine Otero. It also included a chapter nine for his book called Little Max. Um, so they started like kind of canvassing the area or whatever. And there was a Home Depot right there. And a worker said that he had found a special case cereal box in the bed of his truck, but he just threw it out. Yeah. They found the box and it had some shit in it. Uh, but they also had tapes. They pulled the tapes from Home Depot and saw a man in a dark SUV. Mm. Um, so in this cereal box is, um, it was a piece of paper. He's asking if it's safe to communicate via floppy disk. Yeah. Um, He instructs them to say, quote, Rex, it will be okay in a specific part of the paper. So they fuck. They're like, fuck, yeah. Yeah. And they answered it. Um, Dennis had asked a person at work if email could be traced and found out that it could be. But he trusted police to be honest about the floppy disk. He would later say the Home Depot drop was not well planned only done after he realized he had left tire tracks at the original site. You would have been better off leaving tire tracks. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Um, he used Brian's car for the drop. Mm. He was like, whatever, nobody will notice, you know. And he says, quote, due to the length of time I had covered up my dark side, I had never planned on being caught. So really, once I crossed into the dark side, I knew it would hurt and destroy my personal and family life. Um, so the police responded by saying that, no, it just could not be traced, which it a hundred fucking percent yeah. can be. Um, mm-hmm. On February 3rd, 2005, Cake TV received a postcard thanking them and the police. Mm-hmm. So Dennis is like, this is fucking great. I'm tired of photocopying. Yeah. Because he would copy shit over and over and over to make it non-legible or right. to take the trace off of it. Right. 
Um, <clears throat> so he had access to the church's computer. His computer and printer at home wasn't working well. On February 16th, 2005, a Fox affiliate KSAS-TV received an envelope with three index cards, a locket on a gold chain, and a purple disc with a test file. Hmm. Quote, I did trust him. How dumb of me to think they wouldn't trick me. I guess my assurance that I had everything under control over overweighed my common sense. Uh, Dennis didn't know that every computer stores info on the disc. He thought it was just like if the computer was named. Okay. Yeah. Um, he said, quote, I have very big plans for my communication with police because he thought like this is how they're going to yeah. we're going to play a game. Yeah. Uh, the computer, the PD's computer expert got to work on the disc. It literally took a fucking Google search. <laughs> they found the name Dennis on the disc and was able to tell that it came from Christian Lutheran Church. Yeah. Googled Dennis Christian Lutheran Church and found out that he was the vice president of the congregation. Oh, A idiot. fucking Google search. It literally took this guy probably four and a half minutes to figure out who. You go 30 fucking years. Yeah. And it takes him two fucking minutes. Isn't that crazy? Here's the best part. Do you want to know who actually found the information on the disc? Who? The same cop who told them that emails could be traced. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh. they immediately started running DNA and they subpoenaed um, a DNA sample from his daughter's medical records. Yeah. And it was a match. Oh. A fucking four and a half minute Man, Google search. Ain't that some shit. On February 25th, 2005, at 12.15 p.m., Dennis was pulled over by two detectives. Mm -hmm. He thought he ran a stop sign. Mm, no. A um, bunch of unmarks obviously came. He went without a fight. Yep. He was put in the squad and greeted Landwehr as if they were friends. Oh, yeah. I would have fucking punched him in the nose. <laughs> um, well, you got to get a <clears throat> rapport with him, so. It took me four and a half minutes to catch you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> How? It's stupid. You really thought they were going to be like, no, you can trace the disc. Don't do that. Right. What this is what I'm saying. He's fucking stupid. Yeah. You get away with murder for 30 fucking years and then the police tell you, no, it can't be traced. And you're like, cool, cool. Like, here you go. Right. Right. Dude. <sighs> so police had enough evidence to charge him with eight murders. He ended up confessing to 10. He had his first court appearance on March 1st of 2005. I wrote down a bunch of page numbers, but I'm, I feel like we're like way over time. We so. are. And the kids um, keep uh, His me. mother died in the fall of 2007. Um, Carrie ended up like not speaking to him. And then in December of 2012, she wrote a letter saying that she had good memories and she forgave him, but she's not going to visit him and she'll see him in heaven. I'm pretty sure she won't. Yeah. Um, he was sentenced to 10 consecutive life sentences. Wow. And in March of 2015, Carrie agreed to a full interview with the Wichita Eagle on the 10th anniversary of her dad's arrest. Also a very good read. Do you know what prison he's at? No, I forgot. Mm. And I didn't write it down. I probably should have wrote it down. That's all right. I wrote a lot of other stuff down. So um, he is rotting in jail. Good. And he, um, as he should be, he looks like a fucking creepo in his mugshots. And Does he's he like, really? Well, I had been up for two days. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to look. I'll probably post that one, babe. He, he looks like, like a crazy, um, Mr. Burns. Oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah. He's fucking creep taxic. <laughs> so, that's the story of BTK. That was good. You go thirty years. 
What a fucking <laughs> dummy. God. Like he even Man. picked, he made sure that the discs were purple because that's the color of dominance. Uh, no. Not so much. I feel like, okay, so this is going to sound like sexist, but dominance is usually male. Mm-hmm. Like related. What? Purple? Yeah. Yeah, no. Not my color. No. So he's rotten in jail. <laughs> As he should. As he should. Yeah. So do you see what I'm saying now? Like, he was smart, but then he was fucking yeah, stupid. Yeah, he was fucking stupid at the end. What an idiot. The whole time, too. You dropped your gun out of your parka So many pocket. mistakes he's made. and They could have, but... Man. <sighs> it's because you said parka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It's because you said parka. Well, that was good. That so, was a good serial killer. I could I could do a whole second episode on just court. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, he pled to all of it, right? He did. Yeah. He, so there's, he didn't want to go to trial. Obviously. Yeah. There's really no need for he it. He did like get on the stand, though, and go over every single murder. And it was just so like blasé about it. Yeah. Like even like while telling the stories. Why did he even go on the stand if, if he pled? I don't know. But the families were like, fuck you. Yeah. I don't blame them. So. Well, that was good. This That's was good. BTK. Not... Bind, torture, kill. I don't think I said that. That's what it stands for. Bind, torture, kill. Yeah. yeah. Um, It was good because I'm not like a huge serial killer guy. and. Yeah, I'm not good, either. Though. But. That was good. The Zodiac killer they want me to do next. Uh, we'll the next serial killer. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll wait a bit for that. Yeah. But, so, hope you guys enjoyed this. You hope you can still see us. <laughs> um, like, you can see how Mark doesn't pay attention to me, and he's on his fucking phone the whole time. I, I, babe, I'm on the phone because the kids won't stop fucking texting me. I thought That's, we were at more than what we're at, probably because we started three times. Yeah. Gotcha. But the kids keep fucking texting me, yeah. so... Um, you have options, like I said. It will be we will post this on whatever platform you usually listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will upload it to YouTube, and we will upload it to our Patreon page yes. for public. Yes. So come on and watch us. I feel like we should be doing something while we're recording. I don't know what to do with my hands. God. Uh, oh my God. But that is it. Jamie's got to get up now and. I do. Turn the camera off, so. Because we don't know how to do this any other way. Right. I need a long stick. But thank you, guys, and we will be talking to you very soon. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at bet mgm 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.